In 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 6, it says, I planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters is anything, but God who gives the increase. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the one who does the increase. Father, we thank you for every gift, every giver. We thank you for these tithes, these offerings, Lord. Father, these are seeds that are planted. These are seeds that are uh, being watered, Father God. And we just we do our part, Lord, but you do your part. And we thank you for that, Lord. You go above and beyond. You are immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of multiplication. Not even addition, but multiplication. And Father, we thank you for that. We give you the glory and honor for that this morning. And Father, as uh, we get into your word today, Lord, that you would just open our ears and our eyes to see your goodness and your love for us and how much you care for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Well, here's what I want you to do this morning. Uh, I want you to turn to James chapter 3 and hang tight there for a second. I will get there. I do this a lot when I'm preaching. I give you a verse and it takes me like 20 minutes to get to that verse, but that's okay. We will get there, I promise. Uh, but we are in the, really, I would say the middle. Maybe we're coming a little bit towards the end of the series called The Believer's Authority. Uh, we've been doing that series, I don't know if we started back in November, we really went through December, and then we had uh, some Christmas stuff going on, and then we really picked back up last week, and Pastor Andy picked it back up. But I want to read the key scripture to us, and I want to take a moment just to look at that again this morning. It's out of Mark 16, and it starts in verse 15. And here's what I want you to know, I think, you know, we, we hear of the Great Commission, and we always think of it's written as Matthew wrote it. Like we go to the end of the book of Matthew, and that's the Great Commission that most of us have memorized or remember. But this is Mark's version of the Great Commission. This is Mark's version of what he interpreted, what he heard, what he saw, and then what he put down on paper, okay? Or parchment, or however they wrote it back then. He certainly didn't type it on his laptop, okay? However he wrote this stuff down, which I find amazing that they have so many copies of the New Testament We'll get into all that. That's for another day. But it says this. And he said to them, so this is Mark talking, that Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that was familiar to us. We see that. It feels like that's in kind of all the great commissions throughout the four gospels. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. What he came and did and he rose from the grave and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he forgives our sins and we can be eternity with him. That's the good news. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that's a good news. The gospel. Verse 16. But he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Believe. You will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Oof. Heavy words, tight words. Andy talked to Pastor Andy talked a little bit about that last week. And then it goes to verse 17, which is where we've been focusing on. And these signs will follow those who believe. What are the signs actually for? Is to reveal the great commission to reveal the gospel message to those who are seeing the signs, experiencing the signs, seeing the signs done through their life. It is the great commission. What the Lord wants from us as believers is to have these signs follow us. And what's it for? So we can go around looking like, hey, look at me. 
Just laid hands on the sick and they were recovered. No, has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with when you lay hands on the sick and they recover in your workplace and they don't know Jesus. Do you think they're going to do something like, whoa, what just happened? I've had shoulder pain for six years and you came over here and prayed for me and my shoulder has more movement than it's ever had in my entire life. Whoa, 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 what just happened? And you say, well, let me tell you what happened. And it opens up an opportunity to share the gospel message. So all that's why, that's why God is showing us through Mark saying, these are the signs that are going to follow us because they are going to be, they're going to arrest the attention of the unbeliever. With, this stuff happens, this arrests the attention of the believer. Does it not? You see a demon, you, if you are in an, an experience and you are able to see a demon cast out, which I've had experiences with, you're like, woo! That arrests your attention. You're like, holy cow, look at just what happened. This is amazing. And these are these signs that will follow us. And here they are. Uh, Mark lists them for us. These signs will follow those believers. In my name, which means we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors ambassadors in this world we are representatives of his kingdom so that's why hey if you are an american but i am a christian which means christ i am the ambassador of christ that is the kingdom that i'm coming from that is the kingdom that i'm a part of which is greater and bigger than any country any border any city any town any doesn't matter it's the kingdom we are kingdom people we are we are in God's, in his family. Can we get our heads around that for a second? The believer's authority. If you believe in Jesus, you've made him your Lord and Savior. You are part of God's kingdom. Part of his family. Which trumps all the other kingdoms. All the other rules and laws and governments. All of it. We are part of that. And there's freedom in that. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. We spent a few weeks talking about that, looking at that. What does that look like? What does that mean? How do we do it? They will speak with new tongues. I'm going to hit this one this morning. Last week, verse 18, Andy did this, Pastor Andy. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And then here's one that we haven't got to yet. We'll probably work on this one next week. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So what is a sign? Pastor Andy had a great definition of what, is a, what a sign is. These are signs that follow us. Signs are used to notify people of a direction. They are on or a direction to go. They basically, they point people somewhere. Do they not? They point people somewhere. These signs that we're talking about point us and others to God. Because when these occur, when these happen, when demons are cast out, when hands are laid on the sick, when new tongues begin to flow, all these things, they are miraculous things that can only be done by God. And they point us to God. One of my daughters is reading uh, the driver's license manual. So this would be child number three who is working on their license. And we were driving in the car yesterday I think it was yesterday she was like she said something she's like dad do you know that when you come up to an intersection 
and there is a specific light that has like, this is the right turn light, and it is red. She said, do you know that even though that has a red arrow, you can turn on red? I was like, okay. She's like, even if there's no sign, as long as there's no sign that says no turn on red, you can still turn on red. Even though it says this is your right hand turn signal, and it's specific for you, and it's red, you think, I can't turn. She's like, that's not true. You can and so there are signs, right, everywhere. And we laugh. She's driving down the street. We're going, I'm just like, she starts pointing out signs. Well, this means that. This means this. This means that. Well, can I tell you there are some signs that are more important than others? Right? Which, which one is more important? The stop sign or the mile marker which, in which you happen to be at? Right? Like, do you even see the mile marker? Why are they even there? Who spent the money to put them there? Every tenth of a mile on the highway, everywhere I go, there's a mile marker sign. And I'm thinking it's got to be so when you call for an emergency, like you can tell them where you're at. That's the only thing I came up with as to why those are there. But a stop sign, like that's, that's a good one to pay attention to, right? The stop sign is like you're driving, you're just like, whoa, 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 there's a stop sign. We're going to look at that one real close and follow it. Well, these signs, church, are like stop signs. These signs that follow the believer, these are ones that stop people in their tracks. They stop us because they're worth attention. They're worth focusing on and seeing and understanding what they are. These, these four things or five things, depending on how you count them, these are amazing signs that God has and wants to reveal and show to us. So what is this authority? I'll just review this real quick. The believer is anyone who holds a strong unwavering, unshaken, unmoving, no matter what's going on, no matter the circumstance of the situation, unwavering belief in the truth of something. And this authority then, so if we have a believer's authority, if we are unwavering belief in God and who he is and what he can do, then the authority is a delegated power. It's delegated from God. It's not ours. The old, we didn't do anything to earn it other than believe in Jesus and who he is and what he's done and, our, and that faith in him. It's a delegated power and the right to command and enforce obedience. Whew. Command and enforce obedience. And today we're going to be talking about new tongues. How many of us need to command and enforce obedience over our own tongue and what, happens, what it happens to say, where did that come from? I can't believe I just, how many of you guys have ever said the words, I can't believe I just said that, <laughs> right? You don't have to raise your hands because I feel all of you raising your hand internally, so I'm getting a lot of good feedback from you guys, right? So all of you are just like, yeah, that's been me, I've been there. And I believe that this, this new tongues that, that Mark is talking about that are signs is twofold, and we're going to get into that. So what is this, this, without the authority, we have no right to use the power. Without the power, your, our authority is meaningless, which means this authority that comes from God is backed by him. It's backed by him. This authority that we have is backed by him. So I have a couple testimonies I want to share real quick. Maybe I'll just share uh, two of them uh, quickly. One of them came on one of our connection cards, and I'm not going to give the names, but I'm going to read this out, because this is a sign to make you realize or to arrest your attention on something that we've been talking about. It says this, we've had trouble sleeping for weeks. 
not understanding, attacks from the enemy over and over. It says specifically, we actually didn't pray about it. We didn't ask God for any help. Why would we do that? Why would we just not ask for the help? This is what I thought when pastor said, pray over your home. I did a message about praying over your home. And so we just didn't do it. I don't understand why we didn't do it. We didn't do this. But when we did and we asked for help, we prayed over our home. And we said, in the name of Jesus, anything that shouldn't be here needs to go. Now we sleep all through the night. And the only thing that wakes us up is the alarm in the morning. Thank you, God, for our prayers being answered. And we will continue to pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Give God a hand for that. I mean, this is like, we have had so many stories even in our own house about the enemy trying to come in and steal our sleep. I mean, it happens over and over and over. And it's, like, it's a battle that we constantly are saying, you know what? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to just give props to one of my children. I won't give their names this morning. But they got a Christmas present. What's that? A little Okay, it's my little guy. It's Jairus, okay? It's a great one. So he got a Christmas present, and ever since he got this Christmas present, it was like an action figure, and it was a, as a bad guy action figure, and it was, uh, it was like Halo or something like that, and it was this bad guy action figure, and he had this ugly face, and he looked really bad or whatever. It just looked kind of demonic, actually. And I guess we didn't realize it because when we bought it, it had a helmet on. And so then when the helmet came off, we're like, oh, wow, this doesn't look that great. So he was having trouble sleeping in his room night after night after night. And Pastor Liz says to him, says, hey, buddy, why don't you pray and ask God what's causing this disruption in your sleep? He's 11, guys. So don't for a second think that there's any age limit on some of these things. Kids know and understand and can and grasp hearing from God. In fact, they can probably do it a lot of times better than we can because we're set in our religious ways, right? The song, break down our religion. Come on, please. Break down by the faith of a child. Goodness sakes. And so he prays. He says, Lord, I want to know what it is that's causing me to lack sleep. And he went to, I don't know if he was sleeping or not sleeping, but he had like a vision and he saw this specific halo creature, halo uh, uh, character, he saw it in his mind's eye, and the Lord revealed to him, that is the problem. This is why you're not sleeping. And he immediately came to his mom and said, Mom, thank you for this Christmas present, but this has to go. And she took it, and we got it out of the house, and I believe he has not had another night of challenged sleep since that happened. Yeah, and he loved that toy, and he didn't hesitate to get rid of it, no matter how hard it was to do. Oh, 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 yeah, come on, the story gets even, is better. You know, I'm, a, I'm an evangelistic, they call it. You know, I have these stories, and I don't always get all the facts exactly right as they need to be, and so Liz helps me with these, which I love. So here's what happened. So she didn't get rid of it, she put it in our bedroom, no, 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 you put it in our bedroom, in the drawer, well, it was in the drawer, well, what does it matter, it's still in the bedroom, and when it went into the bedroom, I had a horrible night's sleep, and I didn't know it was in the bedroom, right, I had a nut, what's that, I had a nightmare about a, I actually, I'm not even sure it was a night, I had two nightmares, and I actually think a spider was on my head, 
during the night. Because I like felt and I woke up and did one of those, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> and in the name of Jesus, no spiders are allowed in my bed in Jesus' name. That's a pestilence. That's a problem. That's not something that is allowed to be there. And when we realize, and she was, Liz was like, oh my gosh, it's in the drawer. Yeah, and so we got it immediately, and then I literally threw it in the garbage. It went in the garbage in the kitchen. I was like, that's not far enough away from me. And so I wrapped up the kitchen garbage, and it was only half full. I wasted half a trash bag, because this was so important. This thing had to go. So I got it out of the house, and I'll tell you what, I had a wonderful, wonderful night's sleep. Amen? But this stuff is real, what I want you to tell you. The spiritual realm is real. The spiritual world is real. The Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, and that the spiritual realm, which we do not see, is actually more real than the physical realm. So why would we not investigate and pray and hear from the Holy Spirit of what is happening in the spiritual realm so that we can take our believer's authority over it and change the circumstance in which we're in? This is what we're talking about. This is why I love this series. This is why I think it's so important for us. Okay, I'll get to the, some of the other, the, another testimony. I'll get to that next week. So this, what is this? They will speak with new tongues. Why is this part of this list? Well, number one, you can't do it without God. Come on, church. You, can, you can't tame the tongue. We'll get to James 3. That's why I have you there. I know I'm not there yet. You can't tame the tongue without the help of God. It's actually miraculous. It's actually a miraculous thing. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, and our church talks about this a lot, but i got to mention it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whoa. Like, let that sit just for a minute. Death and life. A choice as to how we speak and what we say and what we declare will determine whether something lives or dies. I've actually read they've done studies where they've like, I know this will seem crazy, but they have taken two plants. They've taken two plants with the same exact sunshine and the same exact nutriated water, whatever it was, and in one plant, they spoke to it and said, you will be healthy, you will be strong, and you will grow. And then they looked at the other plant and said, you will die, you will dry up, and you will no longer be. And can I tell you that it actually came to pass? It came to pass. This plant grew and was healthy. This plant died. Because the Bible doesn't lie. If death and life are in the power of our tongue, then what we say, we are constantly bringing life or death. And here's the rest of it. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That means, you ever hear somebody say, man, you're going to eat those words? That's like a play off of this scripture, right? Because what we say, we end up eating, we end up seeing, we end up experiencing. This we, how many of us want to speak in new tongues? Hallelujah, I don't want the tongue of my flesh anymore. I don't want the tongue of the old man anymore. I don't want that tongue anymore. I want a new tongue. I want, and, it's, and he lists it in the list of miraculous things. And he's talking about two different tongues. I believe he's talking about our own language, and then, of course, our spiritual language. I want to get to both of those here in just a minute and talk about these. But this death and life are in the power of it. We've used this uh, example before, our, our Eva, little Eva, when she was, she's 13 now, when she was a toddler. Wow. 
Wow, she was a toddler, full on, full bore. And she would just be like, what are we going to do with her? I can't believe she's like this. And this, and man, 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 man. And the more we spoke that junk, the more the junk happened. And we had decided, I think, Pastor Liz, one day, you know what? We are renaming you, Eva. We are renaming you Sweet Eva. And we began to speak over her that she was sweet, she was kind, and that even though we saw her running into the other room and yanking on her older sister's hair for apparently no reason but to make her scream and cry, why she would, it's just like, what the heck was that, right? You're like, whoa, what's going on? But we began to speak that over the course of time, over the course of time, we have sweet Eva. And any of you that knows her, Amen. Any of you that knows this girl knows that she is one of the sweetest kids you ever meet. She goes to the school here at LCA, and she is just friends with everybody, and she, because she's so sweet. But you think that she's that sweet? But because, because of God. Because he has revealed to us that death and life and the power of our tongue, and we could have just continued to say how bad she was and how awful she was, and I'm telling you as I'm standing here today, Eva at 13 would be a different person. And that comes because of, for two things. One, the authority that we have as her parents, because we stand in authority over her, which makes a big difference because someone, somebody out there, I won't mention any names, you can say bad things about Eva and try to speak those over to her, but guess what? My words trump your words, okay? Because I'm in authority over her. As a parent in your families, those who are in authority over your family, you have power even more so when your words, when you speak over your kids, over your marriage, over your relationships. There's power in that. And I want them to be a new tongue in Jesus' name. All right, James 3. I'm going to read a little portion of scripture here. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'll read it fairly quickly. But you guys have heard the story. It says this, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. I was going to skip this one, but I guess I'll say it anyway. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Okay, that one's for me. We'll talk about that later. Okay, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. It's impossible without him. Able also to bridle his whole body. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large, they are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. Whoa. Our tongue is a fire. Come on, church. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by what? Hell. The flesh, when the flesh is in control of our tongue, it brings destruction from hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature and sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man... Can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue but God. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeding blessing 
and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring set forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. We need, church, a fresh tongue. We need a fresh language. Only God. This is a, one of the signs to an unbeliever. Come on, church. Can you believe that? It's like our ability to be able to speak psalms and positive things to the world is actually something that arrests the attention of the world itself. It is supernatural. It's absolutely supernatural. I believe that this verse is speaking of two different types of tongues. The first one is this. God will give you a new natural language. Meaning words you used to say, ways you used to go about speaking, God will begin to change. And how do I know that? How do do I know that he will give us a new natural language? It comes out of Luke 6, verse 45. It says this, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, out of his heart, brings forth evil. Death and life. Out of the power of the tongue. But look at this. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So you understand the only, you can pray, Lord, change my natural language, and he's not going to do it. You're like, wait, what? You can pray all you want. I mean, I just need to stop cursing. Lord, help me to stop cursing. Lord, help me to stop cursing. And then you stub your toe and beep, 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 yeah, right? And why do I say these things? Why do I do these things? This verse is telling us that only God can do it, but you have to be willing to open your heart. There has to be a heart change, and the only one that can truly do a heart change is God himself. He is the one who comes in and softens our heart and changes our heart and redirects our heart. It's what we talked about all morning this morning. It's what really the beginning part of this service was all about, was about opening our heart to let God do a new way to break the agreements that we've made in our heart that will then change our language. That's a new tongue, church. That's a new tongue. A new voice will rise up from out of your heart when your heart begins to change. So my prayer for you this morning is that you will open your heart and let the Lord in to do the work that you don't want him to go do. I'm sorry. Nobody wants to have that onion peeled back. Nobody wants to get deep into the, into the inner workings of our hearts. But if we would allow God to do it in a supernatural way, and we say, Lord, move in my heart, change my heart, it will begin to change our tongue. And will we have a new tongue? The Bible says this as a sign to, new, to unbelievers, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When you're on social media and you, some, you see these things blasted out there and you see Christians blasting other Christians or whatever, blasting some other thing with vicious intent, you're like, how is that witnessing to the world? How is that helping anybody in any shape or form? All you're doing is wanting to fight and have a battle with somebody else. By all this, we'll know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
If we speak in psalms and hymns and spirit songs of encouragement and building each other up, we can use social media and a platform for so many things of good, but too many of us use it for things that tear people down. That's not what get, that's, a sign, that's, that's a sign to unbeliever in the wrong way. Like, why would I want to be a part of that? They're just as angry as I am, just on the other side. Right? That's what it feels like. But all this will know. So here's what the Lord says. He says this in James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. I believe that when we allow God in, we begin to let him change our heart, that when these trials hit, when we stub our toe, or whatever the trial is, a real trial, that you are having in your life, your language, a new tongue begins to roll forward and out because you're understanding and trusting in the Lord and your faith is being set on the Lord. Say, with God, nothing is impossible. And I'm going to stand and my tongue will then begin to change. A new way because of who he is. Then the second one here, I believe that he's talking about, is God will give you a new heavenly language. Also assigned to unbelievers, it says this in 1 Corinthians 14. Therefore tongues, now we're talking about a heavenly language, a heavenly prayer language. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, a new language and a new tongue, an unnatural one, meaning not your English language or your Spanish language or whatever, whatever language that you speak begins to come forward out of your spirit, man, and a new tongue begins to rise up. It says, therefore, tongues are not a sign, are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. This is a sign for unbelievers, but it's more than that. It says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. This is Paul speaking. My heart and my encouragement for this church is that you will speak in tongues more than me. Honestly. I, and I'm starting to do it more, so good luck. And here's the reason why. Not just because it's a sign for un- unbelievers, but I'm telling you that in circumstance after circumstance, after situation after situation, when I don't know what to do, when I don't know what to say, when I've, I've exhausted, and I'm going to start doing this before I get to the end of my physical and mental abilities on my own, I say, what else can I do but speak in my heavenly language? And begin to pray and say, because when you do that, when you begin praying in tongues, in your spiritual language, it is your spirit man praying the perfect words for the situation in which you're in. The perfect words. The Bible says that when we, when we pray in our prayer language, it edifies us. And what it actually does, which I find this amazing, is when you do that in the midst of a fight with your spouse, not, you don't just start out loud, start speaking in tongues at the other person and waving your hands. That's not what I'm talking about. But internally, you say, you know what? I know I, my wife says this all the time. When we're in like a, a, a challenging situation, a marriage challenging situation, which does happen, maybe more often than, than you might think, right? But there's a challenging situation. She has told me many a times, you begin to speak in tongues and pray in your prayer language, and it stops all of the other emotions and words and fleshly tongues that she wants to say or that I want to say back to her, and it begins to change the whole atmosphere 
of the situation. And so I would challenge you that in your situation, even when your boss is talking to you and you're just like, right, you want to do, oh my gosh. What if we just stop for a moment and begin to use our prayer language silently, even internally? Because the Bible says this, it says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. You begin to build yourself up. This prayer language edifies us. It builds us up. There, the public tongue, which I was talking about earlier, in, when I, that first verse I read, is a sign you know, that we see for unbelievers. But this tongue, this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, changes our lives. It changes the trajectory of our lives. It calms the inner storms. It brings peace in the situation. It helps you when your flesh is absolutely in control and you have to say, I have to get myself back in control and I don't know what to do. This is what you are to do. Jacob, if you want to come back up here. And I know many of you have testimonies in your own life of these new tongues that God has provided has changed situations and circumstances. And so my challenge for you this week is this. Number one, take a listen to your own natural language throughout the week. What are the words that you're using? What are the words that you're saying? Are you bringing death or life to the situation in which you're speaking over? Whether it's your marriage, your kids, the school that they go to, your workplace, your grandkids, the politician, the church, the government, whatever, whatever, all the stuff. Just take a moment and pause and reflect on your natural language and watch it and see where your heart truly is. And I will tell you, every one of us, if you truly do it this week, you will see There are certain instances and circumstances and situations where your heart is not aligned with God for that circumstance. And I believe it will be revealing to you to see that. And I want you to invite Jesus into that situation. Invite God in, just like Jesus was invited to that wedding in John chapter 2. He was invited to the wedding. Invite him in. Because the miracle can't happen if Jesus isn't there. The water didn't get turned into wine by somebody else. The only reason it happened is because Jesus was there. Because they invited him in and they asked the question, what should we do? And his mother Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So that's my challenge for you this week. As you have a situation that comes up, evaluate the language, the words that you're using. Find the situation this week where your heart is not aligned in the right place and invite Jesus in to that situation and tell him, commit to him, I will do, Lord, whatever you tell me to do. And then I challenge you with the second challenge is this, to use your prayer language at least twice as much as you are today. Minimum. Go for four if you want. That's my challenge to myself. More situations, more circumstances. Tell yourself, you know what, Here's my trigger will be every time I see a stop sign. Every time I see a sign, and it's whatever it is, whatever sign you want, but for me it'll be a stop sign, I will pause for a minute and pray in my heavenly language for whatever situation that the Lord has 
in front of me. So if you bow your heads this morning, close your eyes. I want to pray over you. Father, we just come to you this morning. And we ask that in your name that you would give us new tongues. And you would do that in only the way that you do it, by changing our heart. By softening our heart, Lord. Soften our heart. Every situation, you know each person here. You know the number of hairs on their head. You know the situation where their heart has been hardened or they're struggling in a circumstance or a situation. Father, may they invite you in this week and begin to change their natural tongue. And Father, I just pray that we would, each of us who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we would use our prayer language at a whole new level this coming week, month, year, and forever moving forward. Lord, that as situations and circumstances would come up, that a new tongue would rise up. And that when we would used to say this, we would quietly pray and you would give us a new word and a new language and a new tongue for the situations in which we have faced. So Father, we give you all the praise and the honor for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We have some prayer teams that are going to be coming up here. Two things. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Come up here. They will pray with you. They will will work with you to invite Jesus into your life, into your circumstance, into your situation. Then the second thing is you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I would say that today is the day for you as well. I'll be standing right up here. I want you to come up here. I want you to talk with me. I will pray with you. I will give you information. And I will, I will agree with you that that baptism of the Holy Spirit that I have experienced, that many of us have experienced, will absolutely radically change your life. Because it changes The spirit man begins to overflow and does nothing but change our tongue because out of the overflow of our heart is how we speak. So I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with our the same uh, declaration that I've been reading over us. So just receive this this morning. It's a declaration of the authority of the believer. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Because you are bound, Satan, you and all of your demonic forces may not come against this church, this family, these people sitting here, the people that are listening and watching. You may not come against them in the name of Jesus. Satan, you are bound away from us and our families. We are covered and cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And Satan, you may not steal kill or destroy us or our property in Jesus name and I remind you Satan that you are defeated and we are victorious in Jesus name amen and amen I send you off with this now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing and that you may abound in the hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful week. And if you're looking for...